This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. This is this is something that, that we've been dreaming of. Right. Was that fun or what? But I know our fans will be excited and they'll cheer. And really try to do everything we can to, to, to make them cheer. B, this is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. It is the 2023 BYU football season preview special in Studio B. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. As promised, the head football coach, Kalani Satake, with us in the Cougar Council Room. Coach, welcome back. 11 days away. How you feeling right now as the season bears down? Let's go. I mean, I'm, I'm excited. The guys are excited for the game and the season's to start, you know, so... Uh, I've had a really good fall camp so far, and, and uh, we'll utilize all the time to get ready for it and make sure that we're ready to perform at our best. A lot of familiar names on this uh, team, but half the roster is new. You brought in 31 transfers. What have you learned about this group so far? Well, I think the group is a lot closer than, than I, I ever anticipated, and that's a, that's a huge compliment to the players that are already on the team before uh, we had all the newcomers uh, arrive. But... Uh, the, the culture, um, the leadership that we're seeing from all of them, and, and just having even the new guys uh, that have one year of eligibility left feel comfortable enough to, to lead and to speak. In order for uh, uh, leadership to, to take place, you need guys that are willing to follow and, and guys that are humble enough to listen, and, and we have that on our team right now, and I feel really good about the, the overall feeling with everyone and the camaraderie and the, brother, the brotherhood. You may have just answered the question, but uh, if not, is there anything else you've learned about this team from the time that camp started to now that maybe you weren't sure about when camp convened mm-hmm. and, and you got going? We were always worried about how physical the team's going to be. And so we, uh, I know I have coaches and coordinators that want to get the guys in a uh, physical type of play. And so we, we did that. We, we had a physical camp, had physical spring ball. And so... Uh, I, I can say that the, the players have stepped up and, you know, they're a physical group. So we'll see what, what happens on, on game night. But I feel really pleased with, with uh, our level of physicality and uh, the aggression and the, the, the willingness. And I think sometimes it, it, it spilled over into a little bit of, you know, some melees and stuff like that. But it's okay. <laughs> we were able to control it and, uh, and, you know, sometimes get guys make mistakes. And, and, uh, but we'll fix them all and make sure that there's none of that going on during the game. Offensively, a uh, lot of excitement around some new pieces in Keaton Slovis, quarterback, Aiden Robbins, and then an offensive line that was really good last year. Aaron Roderick said, hey, we, we are deeper, uh, and you brought in a lot of transfers in, in that area. Is it safe to feel uh, and expect like this offense could approximate or maybe even be better than what it was last year? Well, I think that's hard to always compare when, when it's a different schedule, you know, but uh, going into, I think what A-Rod's feeling is, Going into the, the, the season now, I see him a little bit more confident than uh, we definitely when we were in January. But uh, I, I think he's feeling really good about how the team's going, and uh, that's probably why he was able to speak so um, bravely on those t- those terms in, in the offense. But uh, from what I'm seeing, it, it's 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 delivering so far. Uh, but all all matters on game night. That that's when you had 12 opportunities to do it, and that's that's the time to, to show and. Right now, it's look, looking promising. Kalani Satake is with us on BYU Sports Nation. It's our season preview special. Much has been said about Jay Hill and his impact and the energy that he brings to the defensive side of the ball. How do you know as a head coach 
when the defense is performing at the level you want it to be performing at? Like, what are you looking for and saying, yes, this is how I want the defense to be? Yeah, I think the main thing is that when you're looking at, and, and this is for uh, us as a team working against each other, uh, if one side is winning all the time, that's a bad sign. Um, and, but especially if one side's really, really good and has tons of uh, veterans, and that means that we didn't, we didn't um, build a talent gap on the other side. And, and what we have is you'll have some things start off where the offense is doing really, really well, and then the defense responds. And then uh, some other moments when the scrimmage where the defense starts off really strong and then the offense responds. So there's a lot of good back and forth. And maybe at the end of the day you can say this is probably the offense won overall. But there's not this huge discrepancy of offense killed it, defense was horrible. Defense killed it, offense was horrible. It's now a little bit more balanced out. And, and the battles are, are actually going back and forth. It's series to series. And uh, that's a good sign. And then and, and Jay Hill's an, an aggressive person. And, uh, that's, that's how he thinks and that's how he coaches. And so he, if there's a mistake, he's going to fix it right on the spot. Um, which is which is nice, you know, and and have him do it, and I don't have to. Have the, <laughs> my voice is a lot better now than it's ever been, but if you listen to Jay, his voice is gone. It's mid-season. Yeah, <laughs> so raspy. so uh, yeah, you've heard my voice be raspy in in uh, you know fall camp around this time, but uh, I seem to be able to sing my songs and have a, you know, be able to be okay. But I'm not gargling with lemon juice and stuff like that. But uh, Jay's voice is hammered, which is a good sign. That is a good sign. How many position battles are still going on where you are determining the starters mm -hmm. and how many are uh, determined? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's some that you feel really comfortable with it being set. Um, but it, the competition always has to happen. I, I feel like there's got to be, uh, nobody can feel too comfortable. And once they feel comfortable and complacent, which is human nature sometimes, I think you have to make the decision to make a switch. And so when you have that, you have that mindset a guy like Keaton knows that the other quarterbacks are going to be ready uh, whenever their number is called. And, and, uh, but we don't want him to feel like there's pressure, but he's going to put pressure on himself to perform. And so in these other position groups where there's playing time that they're battling for, that's going to go well into the season. Um, and maybe we feel like we have more than one starter at that spot and we feel like we can uh, play more people. But uh, at the same time, um, someone's got to win the spot. And I think we want to be able to cement some starting spots so that guys can know that they're the definite guy and there's only so many reps that you can do in practice and so we need to make sure that the ones get all the reps and and uh, that there's a battle maybe for two and three to, to get the next reps if if uh, the, an opportunity happens that way along those lines everyone likes to talk about depth and fall camp oh such a buzzword oh it's the <laughs> oh the depth everyone feels deeper how do you quantify that how do you know if you're actually deeper because it feels like this team is deeper in the amount of talent you have brought um, and it's not with the starters per se to me, it's with the twos where you go, hey, our twos are better than we were mm -hmm. last year, but you really kind of have to wait to the games maybe to, to see that that guy was closer to being a starter than you think. How do you kind of quantify that? Yeah, I think that's the goal for the coaches is to put as much stress on them. And that's why we threw the playbook at them right from the beginning uh, and try to install as much as we could uh, to see how they would respond. And then you kind of gauge it from the mistakes that they make. Uh, we had our scrimmage last Saturday um, and a scrimmage last practice, and, and there were some mistakes that were uh, not normal, but, but given those re extra reps, those twos and threes were able to get those reps, and we held out a couple guys, and, and uh, 
nothing's more evident of, of needing, needing improvement than the film. <laughs> and so when mistakes did happen, uh, we want to make sure that we address it. But then you can also count on guys that, hey, when, when, when it's live and it's time to play, we need to know we can count on you. So um, missed assignments, things like that, we can't count on. <clears throat> and there was uh, some administrative mistakes that we definitely need to improve on. Okay, as you look at the first two games with Sam Houston, uh, again, 11 days from today, and then in comes Southern Utah, what are you hoping to accomplish in those first two games to get you ready for 10 Power 5 opponents in a row? Well, I'm, I'm trying to get our team ready, and our coach is trying to get our team ready for 12 Power 5 teams in a Ooh, row. Okay. So that the mindset isn't mm -hmm. that we're – there's no such thing as a warm-up. You know, we, we – uh, Sam Houston – uh, their coach, Casey Keeler, is a great coach, and they, they've won a national championship at FCS level. Sure, recently. Uh, yeah, recently. And so you're looking at the, the things that he's done, and he's actually won national championship at Delaware when he was the head coach there. So they have a championship coaching staff and mindset. So you can't take anyone lightly. Uh, and, and more than that, it's like we want to be at our best 12 opportunities. We only get 12 guaranteed, right? So if we do that right, I, I feel like we have a good chance at, at creating more. But um, you, you can't have the mindset of, okay, we'll see how it feels and all that. No, we, we've got to get after it from the very beginning. And our goal is to play our best 12 times. And that, that it, I know you mentioned P5 level 10 in a row, but where we have to have that mindset of being P5 level 12 in a row. Certainly last year, uh, you probably wanted the third and fourth down kind of conversion number to be a little higher, third and short uh, specifically. What's been done to sort of address that with the O-line and the running backs at this point? Yeah, I mean, uh, getting a big back that can run over some people is, is a start, and then having a physical lineman that can block people is, is a start. But also, scheme-wise, there's a lot of things that I know A-Rod uh, and the staff worked on trying to improve in, in the short yardage, uh, third and fourth specifically. But uh, we saw some improvement in our practice, and, and – um, uh, you know, my, my, my goal is to, we have one of the best punters in, in, in the country, and so we can really flip the field. We but, just talked about that. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but, I, but I'm an aggressive person. I like yeah. to go for it on fourth down. So the, the goal is to see what would be best for the team rather than um, getting emotional and saying, well, let's, let's get after it, let's go. And let's, there's, there's different levels of aggression, but then there's also uh, being, being uh, you know, having the strategy be working your favor. I think in the bowl game, we kind of did that because we had to. We didn't have our quarterback. We were going with a, a third-string quarterback at the time, so we had to kind of position it to put ourselves in the best position to win. Uh, that's the most important thing for us to win. So depending on what we decide, uh, we'll have to make those decisions really quickly, but I feel comf more comfortable with the short yardage um, system on our team uh, now than I did a year ago, and we'll just see how it works out. But, but we also have the comfort of knowing that, that we have a guy that can flip the field with his leg. We'll finish with this. Uh, I know that the, the Micah Harper injury certainly hits home for you as a head coach, and he's been awesome on social media and, and his posts and just the, the kind of optimism and the, and the faith that he's showing there. But it, it leaves an unanswered question in the safeties group. Um, maybe it's Ethan Slade, maybe it's Tanner Wall, maybe it's Raider DeMooney to join Malik Moore and Talon Alfrey, but how do you see that position playing out with Micah not available this season? Yeah, I mean, it, it always hurts losing uh, uh, really good players and playmakers, and so we definitely, uh, it's an unfortunate part of the game, so sometimes those injuries happen, and uh, you know, it, it hurts not having Micah with us, uh, 
um, on the field, but he can be with us and, and contribute in other ways. But then, and especially mentoring the, the young uh, safeties that haven't had a lot of reps and experience in games. But uh, we feel good about the depth there. And I feel good that Jay Hill coaches that position specifically. And so any deficiencies that he may see that we have, whether it's lack of experience or um, playmaking ability, I think there's tons of talent there. Um, Jay's on top of it, you know, and I feel really conf uh, confident that he'll get it done the right way. And so far since the injury, we, we're seeing a lot of really good things happen from that room. And uh, I think there's a bunch of playmakers there and you named a, a good, good number of them, but we'll see what happens. And uh, like I said, Jay Hill, that's his, that's his expertise is the back backfield sure. and, and definitely with the safety. So it'll be exciting to see how they respond. And, re and real quick, Will Farron, you feeling good about the kicking game right now with him? I do. And, and you know, we put a lot of stress on the, on him and Matthias in the spring and we made him kick in like the, the worst position possible when the media showed up <laughs> and it was windy and, and good not, luck. Not, practice <laughs> and yeah. And, and, and this, but this is what K-pop does. Uh, Kelly Papinga is a great coach and, he knows that the season is, you know, months away when he did this in spring and he knew that he had to get competition rolling. And I could tell you that they took the offseason a little bit more uh, with a little bit more um, ag aggressiveness of trying to get better and urgency. And then we, we're starting to see it now. And I, don't, I can't make predictions because kicking games are always different. But I can tell you, I feel a lot better now than I did um, in spring. And I feel really comfortable with the group. But I, most importantly, I feel really good about uh, their coach, and, and I think K-pop's got, got things under control. All right, fourth and two on the 33 against Sam Houston. What are you doing? You don't have to answer that. <laughs> Which 33? <laughs> the analytics say go. Which the analytics say go. I love that you yeah. even asked that question. Which yeah. 33? <laughs> Maybe we'll go for it on our own 33. Uh, coach, if you do lose your voice, uh, may I recommend the medicine ball from Starbucks? Okay. We're big medicine okay. ball fans, yeah. Uh, or you can recommend it to Jay, too. Like if, if I lose my voice, it'll be because I'm screaming for excitement and energy. <laughs> love it. In, in LaBelle Edwards Stadium with The Rock. So it'll be it. a lot of fun. Awesome. Coach, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate you guys. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station. Jerem Jordan, Jason Shepard. Let's talk some swim and dive. They've been in the MPSF, the same men's volleyball league that we talk about a lot, right? Mountain Pacific Sports Federation. They go to the Big 12 as well, and here to tell, walk us through the competition, what that's going to be like, is Jordan Tiffany and Haley Johnson. Welcome to the show, guys. Great to have you. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having us. <laughs> okay, let's start with, uh, Haley, the, the Big 12. Like, okay. you, you were never in the West Coast Conference. They didn't have that. You were in the MPSF. Yeah. Now you go to the Big 12. What's that like for uh, a diver like yourself to be Ooh. in the league of the Big 12 in swimming and diving? Yeah, I feel like it's it's definitely a new challenge. There's a lot of great schools like Texas A&M and TCU, and it's cool because they're just some really top-notch divers that we're competing against now. Um, and not only that, but it's super exciting because we get to do more platform because, of course, the RB doesn't have a 7 or a 10 meter, and so being in the Big 12 gives us an, gives us an opportunity to be on the 7 and 10 meter platforms. So it's really exciting to be kind of working on those events more too. So they have different diving competitions than the MPSF had, you're saying? No, they have the same events, okay. but since we're going to kind of bigger schools, we're going to get an opportunity to compete that more. So Gotcha. Yeah. Overall, from, from swim and dive perspective, how how do you feel like it's going up in a level of competition? Like, how, how do you guys view the Big 12 in terms of the competition that you'll face week in and week out? Yeah, I mean, at least on the men's side, 
Texas is always top of the Big 12. They've won, I think, 14 national titles, 40 Big 12 titles in a row. Um, it's in a, a big, row? In a row? Yeah, yeah. I think well, it's 40, 40 or 44. Well, they'll be gone soon uh, yeah. after this year, so that won't yeah. be a problem. So, I mean, there's a lot better teams, more teams than MPSF, and so we're just excited to step up the competition. You know, we've won three titles in a row. I haven't been a part of any of those titles because this upcoming season's my first year. Um, but hopefully we can carry that momentum and turn some heads this next year. And let's talk about that. Yeah. You were at Tennessee. Yeah. You're from Pleasant Grove. You went to Lone Peak. Yep. You, you came home. Yep, why, why come back to BYU? Right. I've lived here my whole life. My parents both swam at BYU. All my aunts swam at BYU. Um, I graduated in 2020, went to University of Tennessee, had a great experience. Um, super happy with my time out there and then came back, took a gap year, worked through some things. I, I never thought I'd swim again. Um, when I left Tennessee, I kind of said that was the end of it. And then God had a different path, um, a lot of miracles along the way. And, and now I'm back. I redshirted this past year, joined the team halfway through last season. Um, and this will be my first year back competing in a couple of years. Is, so you've had the experience of, of competing at this level in a P5 conference. Do you, do you, do you think that helps you going, making this transition with the, with the Cougars? Right, yeah. I mean, I think that's another big blessing about this year. Like, I'm grateful to take my experience in the SEC, some high-pressure situations, and just being involved on the powerhouse program like Tennessee and just take what I learned and hopefully help out BYU as much as I can. Um, I'm just super excited. Can you give us a, a little insight into sort of the miracle that was you returning to swimming? Yeah, I mean, it's a longer story than this, but I left Tennessee totally down, never wanting to swim again, just putting it to rest after it had been like, you know, my life dream to swim at a big school like that. Um, came back, took a gap year, uh, just a miracle I got into BYU without swimming or anything. And it's, it's November of last year. And I, I have this feeling, okay, maybe I should come back to swim. I start texting my coach. I'm sitting outside the SAB, the student athlete building. And I look up and Sherry, the, the head coach, is right in front of me. And like I hadn't seen her in two years, um, just a miracle that was. And she said, hey, come in my office, let's talk, catch up a little bit. And from there, I started swimming every day. Um, I'm swimming better than I ever have, having more fun than I ever have, surrounded by amazing teammates, coaches. It just It's been a big blessing. That's awesome. Yeah. Welcome back, man. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, Haley, so you have... You guys, your family, big BYU fans. You had yeah. a sister that was a was a diver. Yes, and sister, yeah. And, and Rebecca. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> and you had you have a sister that was a cheerleader. Yes. So, so take me through take me through the family and just how big it is for you guys to be involved with BYU. Yeah. Um. Definitely. My my dad went to BYU. My both my siblings were athletes here. It's actually funny because growing up, I never wanted to go to BYU, and I was actually committed to another school before I came here. Um, but Not then, one in red, was it? It was one in red, but <laughs> <laughs> red and blue. So, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, a ton of my friends came here and my siblings came here. And I guess just hearing their experiences and what great times that they had here, it kind of pushed me to come here. And I don't know, kind of like Jordan, I just kind of felt like there was a different plan for me um, than the one that I had for myself. And it brought me here and it's it's been great my family's been super supportive i got a ton of hand-me-downs for my siblings it's nice. great Very so nice. tons of awesome. byu swag i imagine oh yeah <laughs> Jordan, your mom held the 800 record in the whack in byu forever uh-huh she's like your swimming role model growing up like was she one of the top influences for you 
Yeah, she taught me how to swim when I think I was four or five. She was my high school coach, my club coach when I was a little kid. So we've always been super close. All my big memories growing up were with her. Um, so it is a full circle moment to kind of go to Tennessee and then come back and swim where my parents swam and be able to look up to them. Um, Sherry, the head coach, actually coached my mom. When she Did she really? Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. So it's amazing. That's cool. Mm -hmm. When you guys, look, it, regardless of the sport, there's no more off-season anymore. Everybody's, you know, practicing and doing whatever, whatever their individual sport is. They're, they're doing that pretty much year-round. How much does it add now that school's getting back in session and now you sort of add that on top of everything as well as getting ready to compete? How, how does that change things now? Oh, it's, it's definitely intense. It's stressful. You know, it's, it's a balance being a student athlete, trying to balance school and um, diving and everything. And so... It, I think it's definitely a little more stressful, it's ex but it's exciting because there's a lot more opportunity being in the Big 12 now. So, Yeah, I mean, we there is no off-season swim-wise, dive-wise, yeah. but uh, luckily we're just really supported. Amazing staff here. Um, Brian, who's over swims, helped us out a lot and makes it manageable, and we love it. Well, we're excited uh, to see the season. We've got the alumni meet coming up September 9th and the blue and white meet September 15th. Then you're in it. Then you're a Big 12 team competing. Yeah. Haley and Jordan, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming in. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Awesome. All right, if you missed any interviews, Deep Blues, shows, or games, you can find them on BYUSN.com, or you can download the BYU TV app to get all of the BYU TV sports content on demand. Coming up, today's Rise and Shout. Shout out who gets it. This is BYU Sports Nation. It's that guy. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Next on BYUSN, BYU football counting down the days until they kick off the 2023 season against Sam Houston. Where do we feel like they're most ready and maybe least ready for the season right now? Plus, BYU defensive coordinator Jay Hill and how his defense has improved throughout training camp. And tight end Isaac Rex on a healthy 2023. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Monday. 12 days away, Jerem. Okay, baby. I'm jumping the gun there a little bit. I am Spencer Linton. He is a man who is definitely looking at that first week of college football, Jerem Jordan. Okay, it is week zero. They don't count it as one. It is week zero. It's back. And there's only one game that matters. Navy's playing 13th-ranked Notre Dame in Dublin, uh, the Irish in Ireland. How many, like, native Irishmen, I'm not talking Notre Dame, I'm talking actual Irish, are like, yes, Notre Dame football, we are all in. Like, they, they have Gaelic football, they have rugby, they have soccer. I don't think they really care about Notre Dame, right? <laughs> but that is the only game that I might be watching. This is the post-Ken Lolo era, of course. It's coming up Saturday. Then it's like UTEP, Jacksonville State, UMass, New Mexico, Ohio at San Diego State, who still has, you know, uh, issues. Hawaii at Vanderbilt, San Jose State, USC, FIU, Louisiana Tech. None of those games interest me, even though we're thirsty for football. You're not in on no. San Jose State at USC on the powerful Pac-12 network? Isn't that game every year? Yeah. Like, they, do they play every year? It feels like they play every year. But like <laughs> you said, we are how many days away to the Bearcats? Make it official. Make it official. Countdown to the Bearcats. 12, 12 days, days away. away. 12 days away, baby. Way to read that, by the way. Nice job. Hey, hey. You know? 
Sometimes the equipment doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. For What's Trending, presented by Feastbox, donating 10% of every order to Full of Hope, a charitable organization that feeds hungry families. BYU football 12 days away, as we just sang, from opening the season against Sam Houston. So to begin, Jerem, today, let's get a recap of what happened on Saturday's scrimmage mm -hmm. and then discuss maybe where we're feeling the most confident yep. and Maybe not so confident as we push through trending. But first, it's Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler recapping how Keaton Slovis performed specifically in Saturday's scrimmage. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, where two weeks from tonight the place will be packed. It'll be an actual football game. There was kind of a football game today with the scrimmage, and you got to watch every play that Keaton Slovis took out here. What'd you think? Yeah, I, I was really impressed, and, and I've been to enough practices that that my confidence in him is growing every single time I go to a How practice. Come? His decision making's been quicker. The ball's coming out. I never questioned his ability to make the throws, and and the ones versus ones they just went for a short time at the beginning of the scrimmage today, but he made some throws. Every throw you can imagine in the book that you have to be able to make to be a a big time player, not just in the college level but in the NFL level, he can make, and he's displayed that. Um, but today his decision making when he was in there, the offense was crisp, ball was coming out on time, he was on target. Uh, I. I'm impressed. I'm a believer now in Keaton Slovis. Do you think, now that he's healthy, uh, that he can come back here and be the Keaton Slovis we saw in this stadium when he was a freshman at USC, only wiser, smarter, and, and ready for the NFL? Well, and I think in a better offense. Like, this is an NFL-type offense. I think this offense fits his skill set really well. All of that experience he's had, um, the, the two years at USC where he was lights out and everybody's talking about him as a Heisman Trophy candidate and, and then going through all that he went through and then kind of a miserable year and a bad offense at Pitt, all of that has prepared him for this moment where he's hungry and he's the first one in the film room, he's learning this offense, and we've seen two really good quarterbacks in this offense get drafted, and if he can stay healthy and perform the way and the way he's been performing and continue to get better with that huge offensive line in front of him and a really good group of receivers, I think he's gonna be the next BYU quarterback drafted, which would be really cool. How about three in a row for BYU in the draft? Free is good. Yeah, it's right? a good what's our What's our theme from our friend Vaisakama? If it's free, it's for me, and I'll take. I'll take three. We'll take we'll three. We'll take three NFL <laughs> draft picks at quarterback. He could be the next one. He's playing really well. All right, that's the word from the stadium where the Cougars will be out here playing for real in a couple of weeks for Blaine Fowler. I'm Dave McCann. All right, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler from Saturday's scrimmage. If it's free, take if it's three. Free, is that take what, three. Is that what Vice says? It's Elder Sikaham. We're going to have to confirm that. Yeah. But I do like that approach. Uh, at Costco, <laughs> I'm not taking three, okay? Uh, I'm not going to publicly uh, grab three. I might two, but one. Uh, who knows? Okay, yeah, Keaton Slovis is the key to this entire season, Spence. If Keaton Slovis is good, we always got a shot. Sure. A shot at what? Uh, at least making a bowl game. Maybe eight wins is in the cards high-end, it feels like, for BYU. If they go beyond that, that's unbelievable. If he's not good or um, somehow, you know, knock on wood, if you're one of those people, uh, gets injured, I, I think it's hard for BYU to feel like they could have a, a, a good season. So Keaton Slovis, that, 
that right arm, that everything with him, a lot of this season is contingent on his success. And so hopefully Keaton's as, as good as we think he'll be this year. Without question, the pressure of the quarterback position is very much that. The season rides largely on how your quarterback plays, how healthy he stays, how much he can endure, uh, the, his ability to overcome adversity. If Keaton Slovis can stay healthy and be on the field for the majority of the time and keep that I, right I shoulder like good, then yes, BYU's success, or I mean, it, it depends on how you define success for BYU Bowl football. Game plus. Right? right? Six wins, seven wins, eight wins, if you want to start throwing on the blue goggles. Yes, like this is the plot of a quarterback yeah. at the Division One level and certainly the professional level. And we say that because there's not a Baylor Romney sitting there. We're not sure how good Jake Retzloff is. I don't want to know how good Jake Retzloff is this year. Yeah. I don't want to know that. BYU's probably a four to five win team if they have to rely on their backup quarterbacks, whoever that Retzloff and company. With Keaton yeah. Slovis, if he's healthy, I feel like BYU is a seven win team. They got a chance to get in the six to eight range, and who knows? Maybe it's better than we think. Because defensively, BYU needs to be much better, of course. As good as Keaton is, certainly the defense weighs into this as well, although Keaton's the number one thing to me. Here's Kalani Satake Saturday on different sub-packages for the defense. Yeah, we have our subgroups, but it's a, it's a one in, one out, and we, we want our, our best guys on the field. And that's, There's only so many reps you can do with scout team, and so you need your ones and twos to basically get those looks and and a lot of the stuff that the twos get are going to have to be from watching film. But the ones need all the looks they can get, and they need all the work in terms of getting in the best shape they can. That comes with making sure that they see all the looks in practice. The previous mindset um, in talking with uh, Elias Tuiaki was we'd rather have some of our twos at 100% than some of our ones at, say, 70% or whatnot. I think this, this group feels like, nope, our starters are going to be in there the majority of the time. Yep. We will not see those line changes mid-drive, which was very unorthodox. It doesn't mean it can't work, but it didn't work last year for sure. So we're going to see, um, yeah, more of the starters in. And when you talked to Gennaro Guilford, it was really interesting. He said, I want that corner rotation to be three guys. Maybe four. That's it. Two or three positions, depending on if they're going four or five wide, depending on who you're playing. When you play Oklahoma, you're going to sit nickel probably a lot of the time there. It depends what happens. And the Kelly Papinka interview that you did was really interesting, too, where he talked about, listen, uh, there's going to be times where we drop eight, yep. drop seven, drop six, but it'll be situational, obviously. But the base package for BYU is not drop eight. It's going to be more aggressive, more havoc, which we will talk about later in the show. Yeah, big changes all around. You know, just in, in terms of just an, a general ideology of not feeling like you have to play upwards of 25 to 30 players on the defensive side of the ball. Like we, we saw as, as many as 30 different guys in certain games last year, which. I mean, the idea was sound in that you want to keep legs fresh. Like, I understand why Elisa Tuiaki yeah. and Ed Lamb wanted to do that. Like, you want fresh legs on the field all the time. But it worked for a little bit, and then it didn't. What, what's the talent level of that backup? Like, is there 100% better than the 70% of that starter? If not, that starter needs to stay in there. So, we'll, we'll see how they approach it this year. On to the offensive side of the ball, one of the – Growing conversations at camp this year is the development of the tight end room. Not just with Isaac Rex getting healthy, but some newcomers behind yep. him, Jerem. Brand new guy. Like the, the, this room feels very confident that they're going to have multiple big-time impact players, contributors, and it's not going to be just about Isaac Rex. But here is Isaac on the depth of the tight end room specifically. 
Well, we'll start off with Tava, experienced guy, played at SUU, has a lot of games under his belt. Uh, he's a great blocker. He can catch the ball too. And uh, yeah, he's he knows the offense from SUU because there's similar offense coordinators there. And so he he came in and just played right away. There was no learning curve for him. Ray is just a he's a meathead. Like he he goes and hits people, and that's his job on the team. Is just just to go and uh, you know crack some heads. And he does a great job of it. We have to get him up to speed with the playbook a little. But he is uh, he can really hit. And he's super athletic. Tony and Ethan, they're obviously great route running tight ends, and Tony's been uh, really, you know, stepping up, I feel like, and same with Ethan, and, you know, off, uh, even Bentley uh, Redden, Bentley Redden, he's a, a new face, long, lengthy guy, he'll be really good in the future, and then Mason, and, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of guys that are stepping up and doing great. Okay, Isaac is referring to the depth of the tight end room, yeah. and, and by first name, so, I mean, to be Fully clear. Let's did everyone follow along there? Let's put on <laughs> and put out the the full names yes. of some of the guys that he's he's we'll mentioning. Walk, we'll walk Started with Mata Avataise. Like like Mata, he he said new new guy from SU is a dude that was just plug and play. Aaron Roderick uh, spoke highly of him as well. Uh, mentioned Ray Paulo as as the next guy. Isaac sort of uh, clues us in that he's probably the best blocker among the tight ends, which is exciting. Mason Fakahua has changed positions to tight end, beefed up a little bit, 6'2", 240. Um, and there's some young young studs in here. Anthony Olsen, who called him Tony. Yeah. Ethan Erickson we saw catching an incredible touchdown against ECU. Yeah, he's, like, he's made meaningful plays already. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, obviously Isaac is the headline there, and uh, we'll hear from Isaac later uh, in the program as well. Okay, um, last but not least, AJ Vangpacha. Vangpacha, that's how you say it. It looks intimidating. We got it. Um, he talked about the standouts at linebacker. There's been a ton of guys, honestly. I mean, obviously, obviously Ben. Ben's a stud, and uh, even even Max Tooley, the older guys. But uh, kind of the younger guys, uh, Glasker. Glasker has been a dude, uh, kind of a, seen his progression from week to week and day by day. Uh, him and then, you know, some of the younger guys, just especially the guys who just came in, just learning and uh, just getting better. So AJ, to his credit, has been... Not a not a surprise per se, but just a very very welcome addition. They had high hopes for him, and he has stepped in and filled and hit those expectations at least through fall camp thus far. You talked to a number of the staff, uh, and certainly, and I've spoken with a few people that watched every snap of the scrimmage on Saturday, and the consensus is he is the glue guy for that linebacker room that really completes them. You know, Ben Bywater yeah. and Max Tooley. He walks in and, and then Ben AJ, Bywater says, you completely me? Essentially, yes. Let's go. Essentially, yes. A Jerry Maguire moment, <laughs> if you will. Max and Ben. But AJ is, is a dude that kind of just brings that whole group together, that solidifies the linebackers. And I like that because I, I know that that's a lot to ask. Um, and in this defense run by Jay Hill, like the linebackers are going to be asked to do a little bit more um, and be a little bit more aggressive. And they're going to be kind of moving all over the field. And so you need super athletic, versatile guys. Like, what is Ben Bywater? Athletic, versatile. What mm-hmm. is Max Tooley? Athletic, versatile. AJ is also that way. And I uh, heard one, one guy say he's the glue for the linebackers room. We, we needed that. That's great because they needed some experience. We were a little concerned at how young they were. Isaiah Glasker had not played a ton. Ace and Mike Kafusi had not played a ton. Um, Harrison Taggart comes over from Oregon. He's still a young pup. Like he's a he's like a year and a half away from uh, you know prom. Like he went to Oregon for a couple games. He's at BYU. He is one of those future guys. But for now, 
the the senior experience of Ben Bywater, Max Tuli, and AJ Vankpacha. Yes. Those are your three starters at linebacker with some nice young pups coming up behind who have waited their turn. In the case of the Kafusis, kind of their first or maybe second year where they're still learning as well. And then you have some other talent there, like Celia Sarah sitting there was this big-time four-star linebacker at a Tiffy BYU got. He may not see as much time on the field initially. That's what you want. Mm. You want them to learn the system, beef up, get stronger and faster. Then they have an opportunity. And maybe it's this year, should there be an aptitude or injury. You don't want that. But you want the experienced guys who make plays to be out there first, and then you go from there, especially in this defense. Now, I, I got the following text message, and I'm not going to tell you who it is, but he is Tell me, though. He is somebody that I trust. Like, I trust his football opinion I just see very, 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 just very, show, very much. Just show me where. Okay, so here's... Oh, here's okay, right. okay, I see it, I see it. So this is a man who watched every snap yep, and was yep, dialed yep. in. Yep, and yep, um, yep. I just asked him for his thoughts after Saturday. I said, okay, tell me what you think mm-hmm. about the defense specifically. And speaking of AJ, he said... He was a standout to me on defense. He is the real deal and makes that starting backer crew, if it's A.J., Ben Bywater, and Thule, as good as any in the Big 12. That's quite the statement. It is quite the statement. I don't know how to gauge the Big 12 linebackers quite yet. I need to get knee-deep in this league um, and see it you know, when BYU plays them a little more. But uh, that's exciting, and certainly BYU has. Are they just emailing you? Well, no. I, <laughs> I think I accidentally turned on the volume. <laughs> <laughs> Who's emailing during the show? Come on! I was trying no. to pull it up. I think that's the what you button. want. That's what you want. You brought in AJ Vankpacha to be a playmaker. Yes. Uh, Jay Hill at practice has said multiple times, "I need playmakers. Who's going to make a play?" And these three will be part of the, that playmaking crew. Man, based on that statement, the linebackers on defense maybe in this said analyst opinion, are the best position group on that side of the ball. I would say right now in terms of experience and previous production, yes. D-line has some proving to do. No Micah Harper puts you in a pinch. That's tough with the safeties. At the back end yes. a little bit. But there's good experience and talent at all those positions with the starters. With the backups, mm-hmm. always a question. Always our, a question. Our question of the day. Where do you feel like BYU football is most and least ready for the season right now, 12 days away mm. from game number one against Sam Houston. Mm-hmm, Robert mm-hmm. Pfeiffer on Facebook answers, I feel like BYU is ready on the offensive side, but just need execution at full speed and physicality. Defensive line coming together to play as one unit with all the new people is the biggest spot to keep getting ready. I've always had questions about the defensive line at BYU this whole time. Um, you know, they, they have not... They have yet to be as good as I think I've wanted, we've wanted, since um, you know Kalani Sitake came. Hoping to replicate the incredible D lines that they had, um, you know, up in up in Salt Lake when he was the DC there. You need those dudes, and hopefully BYU continues to add those kind of guys. Like we're talking NFL D tackles essentially. Like does BYU have an NFL D tackle mm. in the roster right now? I, I I don't think so at the moment. But perhaps they could develop into such, and maybe they surprise us. But uh, D-tackle and then the DNs obviously got to get home. The defensive line has kind of taken this personally. They know. Yeah. They, they know. They should. That I want them to be ticked off. That the, the biggest question mark largely gets yeah. pushed towards them. Sure. Like, oh, are they going to be able to get to the quarterback this year? They sure. were miserable last year and creating havoc and chaos plays and getting quarterback sacks and hurries. Like, they know. And they've. They, they feel it. Take it They've personal. They've taken it personally. If, for if, sure. If someone was like, yeah, 
we don't have good enough hosts on BYU Sports Night. It's like, <laughs> okay, yeah, let's be better. Let's Send improve. In let's get to that point. Let's go. More of your responses using the hashtag BYUSN on X, Facebook, and Instagram. Where do you feel like BYU is most and least ready for the season right now? Uh, join us tomorrow as well. We got a special show. BYU Sports Station season preview Hey-o. show. Kalani Sataki in the house. Blaine Fowler breaks down the offense. David Nixon breaks down the defense. Watch this show, and you will be the smartest one at work or in your uh, fantasy football pools about what's going on with BYU football. Join us tomorrow for BYU Sports League. Ooh, are there fantasy football leagues surrounding college football and BYU? No, I just mean those homies that are talking about BYU. No, that would be fun. You're going to be like, no, 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 I know who Nason Coleman is. Make a Big 12 fantasy football league. I would love that. BYU defensive coordinator Jay Hill is up next. One-on-one with Dave McCann on how he wants BYU's defense to Attack, attack, attack. What does that mean? What does it mean, Jay? We find out next. This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Back to BYU Sports Nation and the 2023 BYU Football Season Preview Special. He is Jerem, I am Spencer. Let's talk defense, shall we, with the new defensive coordinator, Jay Hill, in charge and bring in former NFL and BYU linebacker David Nixon to break it down position by position. Let's David, go, welcome, bro. Uh, the offense is going fast, going harder, so we need you to respond. Yeah, to defense, yeah I like sir. this. I like this. <laughs> Beginning with uh, one of the largest question marks on the defensive line, your defensive tackle preview. Some familiar names there. What do you think of the group overall? Well, I love what they've done. They brought in some transfers, right? Uh, you look at Cravens and what he's able to do to kind of bolster the interior. You've got you got Caden Haas, uh, you got uh, Atunasa Mahe. So you got some guys who have had some starts. And, and, and this is the thing, this defense had some growing pains uh, earlier on a couple years ago because you had young guys playing, and now they're starting to pay dividends. You've got guys with significant starts underneath their belts, especially the nose tackle, the defensive tackle position um, that's going to provide that depth. Sure. Because we all know that that line, the defensive line, they rotate every two or three plays. And so you need some depth there to be able to rotate those guys in and out. Um, and, and that's exactly what Mahe, Cravens, uh, and Caden uh, Haas help you. Throwing John Nightmare Nelson. Yep, who's moved and, from who's end. moved from in to inside. That's right. And Nelson is a guy who, as we saw him at the defensive end, wreaked havoc uh, with with multiple sacks yep. throughout the season. You move him now inside, so you have a more agile, uh, big body there in the inside, and that's uh, that's huge help as well. The biggest addition there is Sione Puha uh, as the coach. He'll make a <laughs> difference, man. Edge uh, preview. Certainly Tyler Batty leads this group. And then Isaiah Banya is a nice ad from Boise State. Uh, Isaiah Banya, I love his game. Watching him in practice and the way he's, he moves. And, and, and the fact that, you know, Kelly Papinga basically brings him over from, from Boise State when he came here. Uh, but then you put, John, uh, excuse me, you put Tyler Batty on the other side. And now you've got two bona fide studs on the outside. And, and I, I love the depth there as well. Uh, I'm a you know a little shout out to my nephews, the, the Daly brothers. Both those guys are rotating as well. Uh, you know, just talking to Kalani, looks like uh, Michael Daly's working in with the twos now. Um, and so you've got a lot of depth on the outside for those guys too. But you look at the you look at the starters. Uh, I think Batty and, and Isaiah Bagner, I, I, those are two guys that are that are bona fide studs. And, okay. And, the killer bees. And and you need in the Big Twelve, you're going to need pressure on the outside. You go against teams like Texas Tech, Kansas, they're going to air it out. 
you've got to have some pressure on the outside. I think those two guys definitely bring that to the table. Blake Mangelson also in the mix there, and uh, a different defense, no doubt about it. Uh, what are they? What I, I heard they say, uh, one a one gap defense where they just make like, one read and you go, baby. And and, and that's what I, you know. You, you almost simplify the defense and you tell your kids, hey, you've got the B gap, you've got the C, you got the A, and now you play fast. Now you're firing off the ball, and and I think uh, when you when you know what you're doing and there's no indecision in your mind. When you know that you've got a certain gap, man, you, you can. You can play with confidence, and you play that much faster. And that's exactly what, what has happened with this defense. Uh, and then you throw in the blitzes and the different looks, and that's what motivates a defense, right? Yes, I mean, yes. you're able to play fast when you have confidence, but now you're able to be motivated because you know that they're going to allow you to get after the quarterback. Because every defense guy, I don't care if you're a cornerback, you want to get a sack. That's, that's what matters. Uh, and, and that's exactly what Jay Hill's dialing up for this defense is, is ways to get after the quarterback and, and wreak havoc. Get your position, backers. Oh, man. The linebacker position is loaded. I, this might be I – mean, I think we kind of say this every year, but in, in seriousness, <laughs> we do. you look at this position and you look at the starts. Okay, so let's start the middle backer with Ben Bywater. Yep. Coming off 20 starts, he's, had, he's led the team in tackles for two consecutive years, first time that's been done since Fred Warner. We think it's going to be three. I, I wouldn't be surprised. <clears throat> then you look at Max Tooley on the other side, 21 starts underneath his belt. So that's 41 starts between the two. Three pick sixes last year. Unbelievable instincts. You know, these guys are, are fantastic on the edges. And at the end, at the edge, AJ. I just say AJ because for me, Long Yeah, I'll just keep, I'll stay with AJ. But AJ comes <laughs> in with 33 career starts. So between the three linebackers, you have 74 career starts. Awesome. That's unbelievable. You couldn't ask for more as you head into the Big 12 with experience uh, from, from that linebacker core. And, and, the, and the hope there is that these guys get to just, just flow, right? I mean, uh, you've got good size on all of them, but they're all great runners. And I think that's the exciting part. You can drop them into coverage, similar to what uh, Brian Kill and I had to do back in the day. Yes. We saw from Fred Warner and those guys where they, they can come up and help with the run. They've got to be able to drop into the pass. Uh, and, and that's what these backers bring to the table. They, they've got speed on the outside, great instincts. Um, but I'm really, really excited about that linebacker. Versatility and athleticism. Uh, you throw in the Oregon transfer, Harrison Taggart. Ammon Hanneman has moved from safety up to linebacker. And I know the coaches really have Isaiah Glasker there too. So the depth looks pretty good. The, the depth looks great. And, and the good thing about this defense, once again, is you can move some of those outside edge guys back to, to linebacker and vice versa, depending on the needs uh, and depending on the offense you're facing that week. Um, and so there's a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of versatility with this defensive unit. Okay, cornerback. You got Jacob Robinson, full-time corner. Eddie Heckard's come in from Weber State, which would be awesome. They've got some depth there as well. Yeah, I, I feel like corner in the secondary for BYU has always been kind of a question mark. Uh, this year, you look at the guys that have come in. Eddie Heckard, you go watch him in one-on-ones, he absolutely dominates. It, it's, it's, it's a blast to watch. He's a technician, and the way that he's able to move his body and the way he's able to uh, D up the, those wide receivers, especially these BYU wide receivers that are they're, they're pretty good guys, um, pretty skilled. Uh, he Heckard is is uh, honestly might go down just in just in the one year uh, might go down as one of the better cornerbacks to have played here. Uh, then, as you mentioned, Jacob Robson, tons of experience coming to the, bringing to the table. Um, and let me re- retrace a little bit. The thing I love about Hecker too is he played underneath this Jay Hill defense at Weber State. He, he knows, yep. and so he knows the defense already. So he now becomes almost that captain in that defensive room, saying, "Hey, this is how it's run. This is how we play off each other." Um, and you talked to Kalani. I was, I was talking to him just a minute ago after he left the show. Uh, he said Eddie's one of those guys that just loves film. Him and AJ are just sitting there. They just just film junkies. Mm. Uh, any minute, spare minute they have, they say, let's draw on another clip. Uh, and, and that's what you want. And, you know, with those transfers in, you want them to push the other players. 
to say, hey, this is how it's done elsewhere. This is how it should be done here. And I think that's exactly what's happening there on that cornerback room and, and with all these transfers. Yeah, Gennaro Guilford said he wants that cornerback position primarily like three guys that play. Uh, Cam Garrett and Maury Bamba are going are gonna to compete for that third spot. Uh, the safeties, we just talked to Kalani as well about how to replace Micah Harper. Like, you can't exactly. Physical, uh, really, really leadership role player for this safety group. But you do have Malik Moore, brings a lot of experience. Talon Alfrey and Ethan Slade, I've heard, has been one of the surprises of camp. Yeah, you go out there and watch Ethan Slade, and this is a guy that kind of jumps off the paper. And one that, you know, there's always some sleepers in camp. Guys that show up that are in better shape than you thought they'd be. Um, or that are more prepared than you thought they'd be, and Ethan Slade's one of those guys. And I think that he's going to add us some, add some much-needed depth there. Uh, but Malik Moore, very veteran guy who's been on the back end. He's going to be kind of the captain on the secondary. And then as you mentioned, Talon Alfrey, but Slade is the one that I would not be surprised to see him get significant reps, uh, if not maybe even you know start, depending on the defense they decide to roll out against Sam Houston State uh, you know, here in a couple weeks. And so um, you know, that, that's a player I'm keeping my eye on. But I, I love the secondary. We throw in – uh, you know, as you mentioned, Jacob Robinson, um, you know, Lee Moore, and then you throw in this, the, the corners. This secondary is very solid. And, and keep in mind that they're going to have some help from that defensive, uh, you know, front seven, eight, depending on how often they can get after the quarterback. Uh, but these corners, in this defense, you don't have to be on the – you're going to be on an island, but you don't have to guard for too long. The hope is that you get home within a couple seconds, right? And so it's can you resist the long ball? Uh, but they're going to have plenty of opportunities for interceptions because that ball is going to be coming out quick, uh, and hopefully it's going to be disrupted, and the timing will hopefully be off between the, co- the, the quarterback and the wide receiver, and you have opportunities to jump routes and create some turnovers. So that's the exciting part for those guys is, is understanding where what their role is and their chance to uh, get some big-time turnovers. David, you're making me feel like I'm underselling this team as a seven-win team. Like, Blaine wants, makes me want to go to eight. This makes me want to go to eight. And if you want more breakdown, app further review coming up yes. tonight. Yes. Yep. I love that. Thanks for hanging out and a great breakdown of the defense. Yeah, always David. fun, guys. Appreciate it. Okay, coming up, what is your boldest guarantee about the BYU football season? We'll hear from you after the break. Be bold. This is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending presented by Feastbox, donating 10% of every order to Full of Hope, a charitable organization that feeds hungry families. We are one week and one day away from BYU playing their first college football game officially as a Big 12 team, not in the Big 12 conference, but with the Big 12 logo at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And, Jaron, because they have ramped up to the Power 5 level, they have added a ton of new faces. This is why Aaron Roderick, the offensive coordinator, is saying we feel like we have upgraded to the Power 5 level at every single position on the offensive group. Jay Hill has said similar things, not using that rhetoric per se, but he says he feels like they went out and got some needed pieces to be able to compete against this quality schedule. So we want to talk about some of those new faces. In fact, we're going to throw out some superlatives. The guys that we are most excited to see that do come to BYU with... 
a new look per se. So we've broken it up into four different categories. The freshman you're most excited to watch play, the transfer you're most excited to watch play, the returned missionary you're most excited to watch play, and how about the backup? Yeah. Who's the backup that you're like, I want to see that guy on What's, the field? Who's the backup? Who I, I want to see yeah. that guy yeah. on the field. Okay, so let's kick it off with the transfer. Which transfer are you most excited to watch play BYU football one week from tomorrow? I'm going to take out uh, Keaton Slovis and Aiden Robinson. Okay. Those are the top two. Uh, Keelan Marion. Keelan Marion, from what we've been heard okay. and been told uh, from uh, you know various people, from Fessy Satake and, and others, is this guy's way better than you're thinking right now. Like, like he is so quick, so fast. He played big-time high school football in Georgia. For some reason, was under-recruited, kind of like Cody Epps was, right? He's catching a pass from Bryce Young. BYU gets him. It's like, how did BYU get this kid? How did BYU get Keelan Marion? He's been under the radar, went to UConn, broke his collarbone last year in game one at Utah State. Keelan Marion is going to be awesome. Like, this is, I'm so excited to watch him play in a very talented group, but there's been a couple of injuries, right? Got a few guys sitting out here and there in camp. Keelan Marion and Darius Lassiter haven't missed anything. They've been there, it seems like, the whole camp ready Durability. to go. And Keelan Marion is going to be a baller, dude. I am very excited about him. Durability matters for sure. Yeah, we're all excited to watch the quarterback and the running back. The difficult part about this question for me is I can only choose one. I can only choose one transfer that I'm the most excited about. I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on what Keaton Slovis can do and will do for BYU. And so it's not like a complete mystery to me. Like, I'm aware of what – I've seen him play before in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Granted, he was a freshman at USC, but I've seen him play before in that stadium. Aiden Robbins, I am not as sure about, but I have seen a ton of his footage. I've watched a ton of his highlights, and I feel like I have a decent grasp on what he will do. Now, the one, the one guy that I just straight up want to watch play that I have not seen a ton of film on, probably because he's on the defensive side of the ball, is Eddie Heckard, who comes over from Weber State. I am most excited about – Eddie Heckard and what he will do to be able to lock down opposing offenses or probably their best receivers when he's stranded out there on an island. When BYU's defense is more aggressive, it puts more pressure on guys like Eddie Heckard and Jacob Robinson to step up and make plays because they're the dudes that just are out there. So if they don't get a pass rush and things don't go well in a certain defensive play, then it's up to them to prevent something catastrophic from yep. happening. Yep, and he was bred to be at BYU because – his name's not Hellard, okay? It's Heckard. He is one of us. One of us. One of us. Now, yeah, one I, time did I ever think about that. I, <laughs> These are the things I think about. <laughs> I'm so excited to see him play, too. I, Isaiah Banya and Jackson Cravens, and uh, there's other transfers, right? Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. Okay, let's go to freshmen. Which freshmen are you excited to see them up? Well, can you blame me after what Aaron Roderick said about this kid? L.J. Martin. Me too, dude. L.J. Martin. Yeah. Bro. He's like, he's, we're told he's ready to play right now. Like, if he had to step in, if something, heaven forbid, happened to Aiden Robbins or, and, and L.J. Martin needed to be the guy for BYU, they feel like he's ready to play right now. Which is wild. This dude is, like, he went to prom a couple months ago. Like, well, you don't expect freshmen to make an immediate impact that often, especially at a skill position like receiver. Um, but L.J. Martin's good enough to play, Aaron Roderick says. And Aaron does not mince words. And L.J. is a massive steal from BYU. He was originally going to go to Texas Tech. Then he later committed to Stanford and decommitted when David Shaw left there. And it's now quite the coup BYU pulled off. It's quite the coup. And I yes. really credit 
uh, LJ and his family for listening to my uncle Connell, who after uh, he decommitted said, hey, consider BYU. And BYU was all over it. Um, so shout out to Connell for uh, at least who's friends with the family saying, at least consider BYU. Just hear yes. what they have to yes. say. And obviously they made that decision. But like, LJ Martin being here, that's awesome, man. Like, El Paso kid, there's a lot of BYU fans in El Paso. There's a lot of new BYU fans in El Paso. Um, and when they play Texas Tech, that's going to be a cool situation for the kid from West Texas. Let's go. He's got the physicality. Mm-hmm. He's got the speed. I mean, you just look at him. You watch him. You see him in practice for a moment, and you're like, no way that kid is a freshman. ESPN no 300, way. number 17 running back. BYU doesn't get these guys. BYU doesn't get these guys. Now they do. And we've learned and been told that he is going to play a role this year. Even though he is a backup, he will have some meaningful snaps you need three as a backs. freshman at running back. Aiden yes. Robbins got to take a rest. Deion Smith, I mean, I don't think LJ is going to come in for Deion per se. No, but the competition at three, you had to beat out Hinkley Ropazzi and sure. Miles Davis. Like Miles you, Davis has run for 124 you yards. you got to be a baller yeah. to earn the right to play, Let's and go. he has done that. So LJ Martin takes my freshman spot. Me too. Okay, how about the backup you are most anxious to watch play for Deion BYU. Smith. Oh, Deion. Colorado's leading rusher. Didn't have huge numbers, but a guy who, again, is looking for the opportunity to excel. I kind of call it the Alex Barcelo principle, where you had, you've had a lot of talent, but you haven't really been able to show it yet. You get in the right system, right place. Like, Deion Smith could have uh, a nice year. Obviously, Aiden Robbins is your number one, but the backup uh, running back is Deion Smith, who's versatile in the way he can uh, block and catch the ball and obviously run. This is his last year, so he's trying to make an impact, trying to get a shot at the NFL. Deion Smith, another P5 transfer in that backfield. I wonder if we will see both Aiden Robbins and Deion Smith on the field at the same time at any point. I'm sure there are formations that exist with both of them. I would see, yeah, I would guess there is something that we'll see both of those guys on the field at the same time. And then how do the H-backs factor into that as well? Like, it, it's, this, this could be a fun backfield to watch. Like, if you go, you go power formation – I think BYU will do that at times. It could be fun to watch. Okay, my backup is Darius Lassiter. Frankly, Jerem, I, I feel like he could be a starter right now. He very well could be, depending on health. Well, I mean, we'll see what happens when the depth chart is released early next week. Slash who shows up on the field. But I believe that Darius Lassiter is worthy of a starter position. Amen. Right now, I think he's probably in the backup role because he's not one of the first three. You have the three incumbents with Roberts and Hill and Epps. But then I feel like Keelan Marion and Darius Lasseter are right there. And there's going to be a rotation of up to six guys that are regularly on the field. So yeah. do you, does it really count as backup? I don't know. But if he's not listed first on that depth chart, then technically, yeah, he's the backup I'm most excited to watch play. I like his size, 6'3". He's over 200 pounds. He's super physical. And Fessy Satake says he has the best hands of anybody in the wide receiver That's group. saying a lot. Okay. That's a good group. It is a great group. Okay, so he's my backup. Now for the returned missionary. Who do you have yeah. labeled as the return missionary you are excited to watch yeah. play at some point? Uh, it, and it'll probably be minimally because I don't think return missionaries should play a ton that year after. It just It's tough on the body. John Henry Damon. Yep. This is our nepotistic pick because it's David Nixon's nephew. Besides that, I would have said him. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm very excited. Um, his brother Michael obviously is a talent as well. But John Henry Daly, he's got like this very noble name, which is fun. He's a defensive end, an edge guy. I'm excited to see him in the future. I, I don't know that he has a massive impact this year because off a mission, but in the future, he is a name to watch. Yes, I agree with you. We didn't talk about these, we, by the no, way, before we, the show started. We enjoy the, uh, the, the surprise, guessing game. The surprise. Yeah. So we are, are in agreement on the two of these with L.J. Martin and John Henry Daly. Yep. 
Now, because we do agree, I, there was one other name that I considered putting here for the return missionary I'm excited to watch the most, and that is Raider Damuni. Raider Damuni could see some time at, at safety, safety, depending on lineup. Because of the lineup. injury to Micah Harper, yeah. we'll see how much BYU's depth is tested at the safety position. Raider Damuni, I believe, is going to be special. I would love to not see him a ton this year so that he can acclimate. Yes. I would love to, for him to redshirt. Yes, right? and like, be great next year. Raider's going to be a baller. You can play in a few games and still redshirt, but still, like, I want Raider to feel comfortable and fully back and get that twitchiness back and his speed all the way back. That guy is a, a Kainakua-like ball He hawk. is going yeah. to be special for BYU. So Raider Damuni and John Henry Daly Amen. hit that return missionary and, and the safety spot obviously has been hit hard, and they're going to need some depth there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to see – the majority of the guys we just discussed when BYU takes the field in how many days? Countdown to the Bearcats. Eight days away. We're within one score of days, but not score like Abraham Lincoln's score. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> A score is seven. A score of seven years. What? Eight Topic days two. away. Eight days away. Let's go, baby. Topic two, Stuart Mandel of The Athletic listed Kalani Sataki as one of three Big 12 coaches who could be fired if this year doesn't go well. Why is this dumb? <laughs> and this isn't even the dumbest thing we're going to talk about in the show. Okay. It's later on in the web. Let me preface this with <laughs> the fact that I think Stuart Mandel is a great journalist. I like Stu. Stu typically this is, is his on worst point. take ever. He is typically right on point. Yeah, this is a bad one. So, he does so much good stuff. <laughs> Kalani Satake could win two games this year, and he still wouldn't be on the hot seat. Correct. Like, there's... His, it would start to get a little warm, but it's not that warm. No, his it's not seat that warm. has been chilling in the Arctic for the last two years. Three years. Okay, you've got the chilled salad plate. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, it might be room temperature if he only wins two games, but even then, he's fine. He's, he's got, fine. He's got a two-year leash at least. We're talking about a man who has gone 29-9. and nine. In the last three seasons, yeah, twenty-nine and nine, including eleven and one, ten and three, and then there was the setback last year of eight and five. What a setback! Oh my gosh, only eight wins. He's twenty-two games above five hundred in he was, his seven seasons. He was hovering near five hundred in twenty nineteen. Yes, that's, then Aaron that's when truly and the offense turned it around, baby. Now that's when truly, like after the first three, four years, that. It was yeah. a little bit warm then. Like at 2-4 and four in 2019, yes. it was getting warm. It's like, oh boy. Okay, yeah. Yeah. but yeah. to your point, Aaron Roderick steps in. He gets his guys. Kalani went and got his guys. He maneuvered things on his staff to get to where he wants to be, and now he's in a very comfortable position. But yeah. no, yeah. Th- this could not be f- like further ice, from the truth. Ice cold is the lower third. It's so. ice cold well, take. Also, I, I, does Stu understand the dynamic of you've got to be a card-carrying member of the church, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, like, to be the head coach? There's only so many dudes. It's not like any other place. There's no other place that self-restricts on who they can have as a quarterback, like BYU, or, sorry, the coach, like BYU. So unique dynamic. Obviously, if this um, season doesn't go well, next year is interesting. But there is at least a two-year leash for Columbus. Jeremy, this is I don't the like program. talking about like warm seats for certain coaches or whatever. No. But the, the the fact is that if you have like back-to-back terrible seasons, like yes, that reality could occur, or it's after the next year. But like, yeah, hey, uh, the men's basketball program—they got to show something this year and the year after that, or or. Th- that conversation could be had, but not right now. 
for either one? No. Not right now. Maybe we're, Stu just wanted to rile us up, so maybe we're playing right into his hand. Well, I, again, I'm, like, I'm, let's I'm get the BYU fans going here. There were some other comments that really riled me up. I'll tell you about it later. No. like Not from Stu, something else. He's got at least two years. This is the, this is the school and the program. That had three losing seasons in a row between 2002 and 2004, and then still, finally, we're like, okay, maybe we should make a coaching change. Well, and they were off the field issues that needed to be addressed. Yes, and this was in the Mountain West. Mm -hmm. This is, (laughs) Kalani should feel very comfortable. Also, he just signed a lengthy contract extension. Well, this can be blown. But still, based on what he's done, oh, love you, Stu. This is way off our question of the day. What are you going to do with your final weekend? Before the return of BYU football. Mm, what's your answer? <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna do exactly what Nick Lee said on X. What did I, Nick Lee I legitimately say? thought this. Fan? Hug my oh, wife wait. and kids one last time. Where's he a puppy? <laughs> nice. <laughs> I just, we just went through the calendar and laid out the fall, okay, at my house. And <laughs> you throw in some Big 12 basketball media days yeah. and seven other road trips, and it's We're like. excited about, by the way. Hey, um, I'll see you during the bye week. <laughs> We're going to have a great time. We're going to go do something special during the bye week. Yeah. If the Baltimore Orioles win the division, the bye week happens to coincide with when they would be hosting an American League Divisional Playoff Series. Mm-hmm. So I'm really hoping. So I said. Highly recommended. I maybe, think that last year was Maybe awesome. we'll go to Baltimore yeah. during the bye week. But uh, until then, it's going to be you, ships in the night. Rarely do people say those words that you just said. Um, Amy <laughs> Purdy on Facebook. Watch BYU Volleyball and Soccer. We got the season opener for volleyball tonight, women's volleyball. We got soccer at 3-0. You called mm-hmm. the game last night. Mm-hmm. More on that coming up. Let's go. Okay, uh, Monday. It is game week, so join us for Coordinator's Corner. Gregor Bell talks to all three coordinators, Aaron Roderick, Jay Hill, Kelly Pinga, Monday, 2 Eastern, on the BYU TV app and BYUSN.com. Up next, it's indisputable his value in the BYU football media world. Jeff Hansen. He's at the top of my list. Indisputable. Indisputable. If you know, you know. He's number one from 24-7 sports. Which players is he most excited to watch play eight days from now? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Dillon drops it off now for three. Team now for three. He's got another. A chance at a three-point play. Now we'll try another one. This one goes. Trevin Nell is back after redshirting last year with a torn rotator cuff. Had surgery last August, didn't make it into the season, but he's making threes at a nice clip as the Cougars continue their European tour of Italy and Croatia. Yesterday, after the game in Croatia, I spoke with Nell in Kresimir Chosic Hall. Trevin, I never thought that I'd ever talk to you or anyone with BYU Men's Hoops in Kreshmir Chosic Hall. You just finished up a game against Zadar. How was it um, being in that in that place by his statue in the city where he played? He's such a legend in BYU history. This is a historic day. <laughs> it is actually pretty cool. Like I feel like we're just kind of carrying on his legacy and you know playing against his home team and and his city is is pretty unique situation, a unique atmosphere. We had a ton of fans there. Uh, before the game, I feel like we're in a college, you know, atmosphere because they're screaming at us, trying to make us miss, you know, free throws or just free game shots. And I was like, all right, 
it's on. Let's go. So it was definitely a fun atmosphere to play in. Uh, how did the game go today? It was good. Uh, we definitely were able to see how physical a pro team is. Um, we kept up with them extremely well, and we were able to figure out what we really need to work on going into, you know, the next couple of weeks of, you know, our training camp. But it was, you know, a really unique situation to play against these guys that are 30 years old, and they are strong as oxes. Like, they're yeah. it's a whole different game of basketball that we play. So it was definitely a fun little atmosphere. The whole perceived uh, maturity and mission advantage just goes away when the other people are 30 uh, or pros. Oh, it's yeah. gone. It's gone for sure. <laughs> how, are you, how are you feeling uh, coming off an injury that kept you out of last year? Uh, it's been awesome. I've been – I was kind of nervous, you know, to see how it would mesh with this, this year's team. And uh, my first game back, I felt like I was, you know, meshing really well. My teammates, like, ran to them. They were able to find me some open shots. And I just feel like we're playing at a whole different – level than we were last year and i just feel like we're a lot more mature we play off each other a lot more and you know this whole system that coach pope is doing is really working so it's been it's been really fun is the offense similar to what it was last year it is we have a different uh you know different play calls with different guys on the floor and just if we see a mismatch we can exploit it a little bit more and we're just really good like credit to tiki our point guards jacks trey and dallin and foos and noah like they got those guys are playing really well they we're doing a lot of just reads off the point guard and so it's just a lot more free playing but it's still constructive and it's playing really well and a lot of these pro teams are having a hard time guarding it so we're excited to see what we can do in you know preseason play and conference play are you guys shooting more threes than you normally do some of those numbers have been impressive I don't know if you saw our box score last game, but we shot 46 threes. So we're making we're making a bunch of them, but uh, we're definitely shooting a lot of threes. And exactly how I want to play, exactly I think how Coach Pope wants to play. And you know, when we have guys like Jax who comes out to start a game shooting, you know, five for five from three or whatever he did last game and a windmill dunk, it's you know, it's gonna be fun for sure. It's going to be interesting to see kind of who who gets in in the the backcourt there because there's a lot of depth and experience with this group. And not a lot of spots. So what's the competition like at uh, kind of the, the shooting guard and small forward spots? It's super competitive. Like every game is going to be a battle. And it's this is a fun situation because po- Coach Pope is trying out different rotations, different starting lineups, different, you know, places to play guys. And I think, you know, you just got to trust the process, trust what Coach Pope is doing and trust our guys. I think that's the biggest difference from this year to last year is, we're not worried about our own agenda this year. Like, if a guy makes a shot, we're cheering. We're getting hyped. We're kind of bringing the energy up. And we're all about, you know, the process instead of the, the outcome of stuff. So, if we're all, you know, on that same wavelength of positive energy, it, it really translates to the game and on the court. How was Italy? Now that you're in Croatia, let's recap that and then talk more about Croatia. Italy was super fun. I mean, Milan was awesome. I've never been to Milan. It was fun to like go out and sightsee. We had a, uh, at night we had a curfew around like eleven thirty, and so we would get back at like ten, eat a quick, quick dinner, and then go ride scooters or bikes, um, like those electric scooters or bikes around town, and just find gelato, just be with the guys, and this is just a huge team bonding experience that we have uh, the opportunity to have. So, and then to be able to go to Venice is like a dream come true because you see all these like movies. You know, Mission Impossible, James Bond, like, it was pretty cool. And then we had the chance to go to Lake Como, which is breathtaking as well. And so we, we if you ever see Dallin, give him crap because we didn't go see the Star Wars little castle where they got married. So give him crap because he was, he was pretty sad. He started playing the Star Wars. 
you know, theme song as we were driving back to our the boat dock. His face <laughs> was super sad. I was like, Dow, you're good, bro. We're in Lake Como for a reason. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. George Clooney has a house over there, apparently, or something. Yeah. There's we saw George Clooney's. It's it's unbelievable. You so, saw the house? We saw the house. It's, it's every house is open, so you can see every house, and then his is like gated with a thousand trees and then his house and then another house and then another house. Wow. Wow. And you've really so, embraced the European culture by having dinner at like 10 PM. It sounds like, I mean, we really embrace it with pizza and like, uh, we were all talking cause we have DEXA scans of like our body fat composition that we did before. We're like, we wonder what it is now just with all the 10 o'clock pizza that we're eating and all the gelato, but we're sweating, we're sweating it out. I think because it's like taking a bath during a game with how humid it is here. Seriously, it's not Utah, that's for sure. Okay, then you get it to Croatia. Which, by all accounts, Croatia is like this hidden gem, right? It's not as hidden anymore. People know about it. But like apparently it's just unbelievably beautiful. And then you guys have been coached up prior to this about the history and who Krešimir Čosić is and what he meant to basketball, not only Europe, uh, but obviously BYU and his conversion to the church mm-hmm. and translating the Book of Mormon. He's an Book ambassador, diplomat, like, unbelievable guy like i i dare say uh the most influential guy in your basketball history and then you have danny and you have jimmer and these are kind of the mount rushmore of guys and here you are in his hometown so what is that like to embrace that history it is unbelievable we were able to walk in you know you see let me see if i can show you i'll go out a little bit yeah it's going to tour but if you see way up there you see his face kind of like right there Mm. And then you just see the whole thing is Kresmir Kosic is like his name's all over the floor and it's, it's a huge arena in his name. And then you got the statue outside that we took a picture in front of. And so it's, it's a unique situation that we were able to play and, you know, you really get to learn. Cause I feel like I never really got to like understand who Kresmir Kosic was and to be able to come here and, you know, meet his family and meet all the important people uh, he has in his life. It's pretty, pretty incredible. And, just to know that he was a person who translated the Book of Mormon. He was a person that, you know, brought pretty much basketball to this city. And he really changed. He's like the – everybody talks about it. He's the, you know, the Nikola Jokic of his time. He was the Luka mm-hmm. Doncic of his time. Like, yep. he really created his own style, and he was a 6'11 point forward. And so it's it's pretty unique to be able to come here and play against, you know, I would say his team and, and everything like that. So it was definitely cool to be able to live his legacy a little bit. What's in store for the uh, the rest of the tour so far? We, we just went back to back. Now we're going to back games. So we have another game tomorrow. We're playing a split. So we took about a six and a half, seven hour drive to Zadar. And now we have about an hour and a half drive to split where we'll play our last game against Cam Shelton. So we'll be able to play against Cam Shelton. Oh, very nice. LMU. Former LMU guard. So, <laughs> he doesn't like us that much. So it's going to be fun to kind of. <laughs> you know, ruffle his feathers a little bit. Um, and then after that, we'll be able to, you know, have the last couple of days to just enjoy uh, Dubrovnik and, you know, real more team bonding stuff and, you know, step away from basketball, but really focus on how we can grow our team chemistry together. Ali Khalifa and Dawson Baker are kind of still, you know, coming off a few minor tweaks. How have they um, contributed to this team and what are you seeing from them? on the court when they've been able to play and kind of who they are as people. Yeah. Uh, Ali's a funny dude. We'll start with him because he is, I asked him, I said, I said, Ali, are you, were you this, like, were you quiet when you're freshman year of college? Or are you like, like, like what's going on? And he's like, no, I, was, I didn't say a word. And I was like, 
why are you saying so much right now? Because <laughs> he, he, he's like the glass clown right now of our team. Like he has really opened up his shell. I feel like he's really um, just – he meshes really well with us. And, you know, you're a, a people's pleaser when you have the whole stadium chanting 50 for Coach Pope to put him in the game. And they're yelling at Coach Pope. They're chanting 50, 50. And they're just, well, I'll need to go in the game. So he's like he – I would say he's the people's champion of Zadar right now. <laughs> um, that happened and, in the game today yes it happened the whole that's time that's amazing like we're at halftime tied 41 41 and then we still get chance saying 50 50 <laughs> <laughs> so it was pretty funny and then Dawson Dawson works super hard like I'm super excited to actually get to play with him and him and Ali like Ali was telling me he's like Trev, I hope you know, like, when I get in the game, I'm only looking, looking to pass. I was like, I'm looking to shoot. So we're <laughs> it's a good so we'll match. Really, we'll match really well together. Um, but we, uh, like, those two guys work extremely hard. Like, every person down the line, Tanner Hayhurst, Jerry McGregor, Townsend, TC, like, all those guys that aren't getting a great opportunity right now, like, are playing super hard. And it's just, you know, great to be around them, great to, you know, experience uh, this trip with them and be able to – just grow together and cause they they're like people might count them out but they they play today a little bit and they work super hard um Dawson Ali obviously didn't but they they're out after every game running sprints trying to get their themselves in shape and stuff and trying to get healthy so they I'm excited for them to actually start practicing and see how they can do okay let's finish with this who's like the best hang whether it's a, a member of the team or just someone on staff or someone that's traveled with the group who's like the funnest person to hang out with right now on this BYU men's basketball trip? <laughs> the person we give the most crap to that is just the funnest to be around is Tanner Hayers. So we call him Eagle. And Eagle, Idaho. Everybody knows. If anybody, because he's from Eagle, Idaho. So we call him Eagle. And we've been in, I started this like, you know, Game Pigeon on your phone? I don't. Okay, well, you got to download Game Pigeon on your phone. It's like this okay. where you like play people back and forth. You can play like pool, darts. Shuffleboard, archery, like all sorts of stuff. And so me and Spencer played him. We beat him like seven straight games in a row. So we took videos of it. We were posting it online saying, Tanner Ayers can't, doesn't know how to play. And then he won a couple today. And he's like, Well, where's the video now? And so he's kind of like, he's kind of the bully. <laughs> he's getting bullied on the team a little bit, but he's a good dude. And he's someone that we'll, everybody wants to hang out with. So he's, he's awesome for sure. Well, it's fun to have Cougs in Europe. We got the women's basketball team in Italy. Um, we got you guys, obviously, Italy, Croatia. We got Jimmer Fredette and Kenneth Rooks in Budapest, Hungary. So it's like everybody's in Europe right now. Everybody needs crazy. to take a take a trip to Europe this year. I know. I feel bad I'm not uh, I'm there. I'm at home. You but, should. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate the time, Trevin. So what a historic day in BYU history to play in Kreshmer Chosich Hall. That is so cool, man. Thanks for the time. Uh, thank you so much. It's been really an honor to be able to be here. So it's been awesome. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Follow BYU Sports Nation for similarly uh, tasted good uh, social media food mm -hmm. uh, on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Threads. 
Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out your Monday headlines. Presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Training camp wraps up tomorrow with specific prep to Sam Houston. After that, the team held a scrimmage Saturday. Kalani Sataki was pleased. The Athletic also ranked all 133 FBS programs. BYU ranked number 65, 10th out of the Big 12, 14 teams. And BYU running back Morgan Piper announced on social media this weekend that he is stepping away from football. Morgan was one of those guys who's played linebacker and running back. Provided nice depth for BYU over the last couple of years. It was a very, very busy weekend for Cougars in the NFL preseason, starting with Zach Wilson, who continued to play efficient football. Nine of 13 passing, 70 yards, had two rushes for 41 yards, including maybe the NFL preseason highlight of the weekend as he spun out of a would-be sack and ran 35 yards down the sideline, juking defenders for the Jets. Jaron Hall, oh yeah, the other former BYU quarterback, four of seven passing 49 yards, and he had two rushes for 14 yards for the Minnesota Vikings. Chris Brooks, remember him? Hey. Former BYU running back, 11 carries, 47 yards, one catch for an 18-yard touchdown for the Miami Dolphins. And all-pro linebacker Fred Warner had three tackles for the 49ers. Frankly, I'm surprised Fred had to play at all. Yeah, wait a minute. Tomasi Lalale, two tackles in a PBU for the aforementioned 49ers. Matt Bushman, two grabs for 30 yards with the Chiefs. Okay, Matt. Caleb Hayes had two tackles in a PBU for the Jaguars. D'Angelo Mandel had a tackle in a PBU for the Cowboys. How about them, Cowboys? Mm. Chris Wilcox had four tackles for the Steelers. And Dax Milne and the Commanders played tonight at 6 Eastern on ESPN against the Ravens. How about the influx of BYU players at the secondary position specifically. Let's hope they stick. Yes. Um, the Chris Wilcox that, did to hope, a degree. The hope that they're in camp is the, the idea that they're even in camp. BYU hasn't even had the, this many players in camp from the secondary. No, it just before. hasn't happened. In a minute. Yeah. So that, that's great news. Three guys all making plays in the preseason. Really, really nice to hear. 13th ranked BYU women's soccer remains unbeaten on the season at 2-0 hey. after a dominant 4-1 victory over Cal State Fullerton on Saturday behind goals from Brecken Mazingo, Aaron Bailey, Bella Foligno, who continues to use, utilize the BYU Sports Nation karma, yeah. and Ellie Walbrook opened her scoring account with BYU with this. To the byline, deep cross, and a one-touch finish, and that's going to be the first BYU career goal for Ellie Walbrook. Ellie Walbrook getting it done. BYU's next game this Thursday against Long Beach State as they like to go 3-0. I'm looking forward to that Walbrook uh, versus UCLA game coming up oh, uh, baby. a little bit later. UCLA August transfer. 31st. Ten days from now, that's it. BYU men's basketball enjoying a foreign trip to Italy and Croatia. First in Italy, Cougs off, uh, kicked off the trip with a 100-64 win against Orange 1 basket Bassano. 16 made threes, team high 20 points from your boy, the shot doc, Trevin Nell. Okay. And BYU women's basketball, also in Italy. Are they going to see each other? And, <laughs> and beat uh, Breda Blick, Iceland, 104-53, and the Latvia All-Stars, 99-45. There you go. 17th ranked BYU women's volleyball doing their thing in the blue-white scrimmage. It was held Saturday as they prepare to open their season on Friday against fifth-ranked Pitt at the Ellison Invitational in Missoula, Montana. Notably, Claire Little had 19 kills. Aaron Livingston had 14 kills. There's room there for the emergence of a star freshman. Yes, there is. We could utilize another Go. big hitter. Eden Bauer is going to compete there, too, though. Kenneth Rooks won his heat in the steeplechase at the World Track and Field Championships to advance to the final 
Tuesday. This is the World Championships. <laughs> and this guy's still a BYU student. Unbelievable. This is so it, awesome. It is almost ridiculous. Incredibly distracting to watch that clip of him, by the way, as someone just tumbling over the steeplechase. He's like looking back like, what happened? Oh, over the hurdles, like, not me. I'm too busy winning. Like, look at Kenneth Rooks, not that guy. Former BYU women's soccer star, Michaela Clough scored a goal for the Orlando Pride, and it was a beauty. Her second of the season. I love that her husband, Jackson Clough, minor league baseball player, quote tweeted it and said, hey, nice job, just like we worked on. <laughs> Speaking of, Jackson had a three-hit weekend, two RBI for the AA Harrisburg Senators, and then Daniel Schneeman, don't call him Schneebly, had a three-hit weekend, including a homer and a double for the AAA Columbus Clippers. Former Cougar Taylor Sander. Oh yeah, that guy. Oh yeah. Taylor, With it? partner Taylor Crabb won the Manhattan Beach Open on the AVP Tour. Nicely done. That's a big deal. Yes, it is. Three BYU rugby players were selected in the Major League Rugby Draft. Gabriel Mahuinga went 11th to Nola Gold. Michael Biaggi to the Utah Warriors 20th overall. And Connor Overa headed to the Dallas Jackals at number 29. BYU's three selections tied for second most in the country. Three top 30 picks? Let's go. Who cares okay. how many picks overall there are? There's three in the top 30, right? 30. Nine, yeah. Still, that's fantastic. Three draft that's picks. Great. They've never had a pick before. Now they have three. Now they have three. The, the coach, Steve St. Pierre, my own roommate, doing work. BYU is a golf school, too. And so we need to note that former Cougar standout Zach Blair won the Utah Open and a nice little $22,000 check in a four-hole playoff at Riverside Country Club. Finalizing that on Sunday, congrats to Zach. Those are today's headlines. Let's opinionate in the whip. Presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Big 12 posted a video asking players from other schools and coaches what town BYU is in. Listen to this. <laughs> I don't know. Um, is it Utah? Provost? Uh, I don't know how to say it. Provo? I would have to say Provo, Utah. Uh, it's Provo, Utah. Provo? Provo. Provo, Utah. Is it like Burham, Burham Young or something? That's not the city. Oh. Ah, uh, BYU. No idea. <laughs> Does it start with an I? Provo. Uh-oh. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, I have no idea. Isn't it, is it New York? Oh, man. <laughs> this, is, this, this is funny. Provo. Provo, Utah. Let me just start naming. There's Salt Lake City in there. Uh, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City? Uh, Provo, Utah. Provo? They're in Provo, Utah. Come on, my geography is crazy. Provo. Okay, I'll never forget it. Provo, I see. As soon as you said it. Provo. Okay, I would not have kissed that. <laughs> <laughs> is that our first bleeped out moment in BYU Sports in Nation history, by the way? Perhaps. Uh, yeah, hilarious. Provo Provost was my favorite. We can name all the cities of all the Big 12 schools. Yes. Right? Yes. We're good. Do we need to do that right now? No. I don't think there's time for that. <laughs> what was your favorite response, by the way? Uh, does it start with an I? <laughs> Mine was, is that in New York? <laughs> New York? What? <laughs> No. Well, originally we were in New York, and then we went At to Pennsylvania, point, yeah. and then Up, Ohio. Upstate New York. Upstate New York, for sure. Yeah. He's just going way back in the history. Upstate means anywhere but New York City. Does it start with it's an I? No, it does not. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> really funny. Brett McMurphy has BYU playing South Carolina, Jerem, okay. in the Gasparilla Bowl, which is in beautiful Tampa, Florida. Mm -hmm. These are from his latest bowl projections. So is this the best bowl projection you have seen from any that BYU has had while they've been in this Big 12 group. I'm not convinced I want a P5 in the bowl game quite yet. Let's just see, <laughs> let's just see what being a P5 looks like. 
for BYU. So I'm not I'm not convinced I necessarily want that. I I, I want to I prefer a win over a matchup um, in a bowl game. So uh, no, not the best bowl projection. <sighs> well, what the thing is, I was trying to think of what's better. I, I can't the think bowl of, itself or like, just like of all the projections like that we have seen. I I can't recall that because most have been BYU's going to Shreveport. Hardly anyone's predicting non Shreveport or BYU. Yeah, no one's saying. Or they're yep. going to take on like Texas uh, potentially Arizona. In, I think it was Arizona in the Independence. We're going to see them. And on I was the like, year, I don't want to play in Arizona, no and thanks. I don't want BYU to play in the Independence Bowl. No thanks. Like. No. Anything but Shreveport. Are we, are we just anything but Independence Bowl? Is that like, would we be content? We would say you be that content if we say that, that it's going to happen. Like if we well, say what that, what can we say then? It's going to be Shreveport. <laughs> what are we gonna say then? <laughs> Nothing. We have to talk for five hours like a week. Tampa, Tampa. The destination to me is just like yes. It's the destination. I love Tampa. Yeah. Also, I have good feelings about BYU playing in a Florida bowl game, probably because of what happened in Boca Raton. But BYU versus P5 in Florida is over. Just remember that. Don't let it's facts State, get in the way, Jerem. Don't let facts get in the way of a great destination. My bad. Zach Wilson had a 35-yard run against Buccaneers, uh -huh. speaking of Tampa, uh -huh. on Saturday. Do you like that he lowered his shoulder at the end of the play? No. I don't either. I don't. I, I know what he's doing, but like he got hurt Slide. on a, he got hurt on a similar play. Slide, young man. Before. This was an incredible it's, run. He's got great running skills. Yes. We, we knew this, but it's just fun to see at the next level, right? I just, the game. Slide! But like, ah, don't don't get hurt. Uh, maybe maybe the defender was kind of hiding and sprung up on him a little bit. No, and he so, saw him. He saw him. <sighs> no, he was looking to truck a fool. Like, I know. It's he 30. wants to, let, I respect Zach. I like Zach a lot. This is a hard knocks moment here. It's thirty. It's thirty-five <laughs> yards. If he slides, it's thirty-two, and I'm totally okay with thirty-two. You got 32. the first down. Yes. It's all good. Yeah. Like protect yourself a little He's bit. He's so athletic. Maybe underrated athletic as a runner. All right, let's keep this rolling. BYU men's basketball has the third most wins in hoops among new Big 12 teams over the last 20 years, behind only Kansas and Arizona. What, How about that? What do you make of this? Uh, I was a little surprised. I know the BYU's won a lot. Obviously, we, we keep tabs on the program and whatnot. But third most? Like, the most of everybody but those two juggernauts in the new Big 12 starting next year? That's amazing. It's a great number. I know that Kansas and Arizona and every other Big 12 school is saying, yeah, but against who? Who is it against? We've been playing in the Power Five league for years, right? For decades. Not, so not Utah. It's but it's still difficult to win games. Like it's not like yeah. the Mountain West was a bad basketball conference when BYU was no in their heyday with no. San Diego State, and UNLV, and Utah. Like yeah, there were some. It's been a good basketball conference. Top five, right? six seeds. And the WCC, frankly, with Gonzaga and St. Mary's, hasn't exactly been a pushover. BYU didn't win it no. in 12 years. BYU took fifth last year. Like, yes. There's some work to be done. So th there's value in that. Um, I, I don't know that I, you know, I'm going to say like, oh, they're the third best team in the Big 12 then. Uh, no. We're just <laughs> looking at It's a lot of winning. That's what BYU basketball That's great. has done. A lot and, of winning. And we should honor that. We absolutely do. BYU men's basketball posted pictures of the team working out in Italy this morning. Is this the best workout spot in BYU history? They're like out in a... A square next to a, a cathedral under construction, running the stairs. Think about the history involved in that picture, just with that city. That is so cool that they have the opportunity to do this. Is that cathedral older than the United States of America? Look at that backdrop, okay. the arch. It's like, amazing. it's just, like, I love Europe because of the history. Yeah. You know, I mean, these go back, a lot of these cities go back to four, what, four to 5,000 years. It's amazing, Jerry. it's amazing. 
So yeah, really, really cool. Up now, next. Four to 5,000 is a lot, by the way. It's a lot. It's a lot. The United States, we're like, yeah, we've been around a couple hundred years. Right? The United States is still a very young a lot country of people compared have lived here for to a long Italy. Time. I'm just talking about the buildings. The, the Romans yes. have been around for a lot longer. Yeah, they, yeah they, were, they were around. Is anyone more ready to have a bounce back year than BYU tight end Isaac Rex? Well, no. He's got a case for no. sure. He might be the guy. Yeah. How has the BYU tight end touchdown record motivated him to have said potential big season? This is BYU Sports Nation. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is sponsored by the Tim Daly Auto Group. Serving Utah since 1968. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and threads. Speaking of, in that uh, scenic shot over campus, the Abraham Smoot Building, or ASB, mm -hmm. they used to call it the X Building because it's just a big old X. Little did we know it was actually. Is that where Elon got the Twitter. idea? Yeah, he, yeah, he, uh, he saw the, the ASB. Not. Welcome back to Studio B. I'm Jeremy. He's Jason. Let's get to today's headlines presented by Tim Daly Nissan, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Head coach Kalani Satake, offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick, and defensive coordinator Jay Hill spoke to the media yesterday to wrap up BYU football's training camp as BYU counts down the days to the season opener against Sam Houston. Kalani said he loves the balance he saw during camp between the offense and the defense. And I love the battles that we're having on offense and defense, uh, meaning that not one side is dominating the other, uh, which is a good sign. And then when one is having success, the other one's able to respond. And, and so when you have this back and forth, that's a good sign for a program. And, and you see everybody getting better at the same time. BYU also had seven players named to the Senior Bowl watch list this morning. Players include Keaton Slovis, Ben Bywater, Max Tooley, Isaac Rex, Connor Pay, Caleb Etienne, and Ian Fitzgerald. Uh, Kenneth Rooks took 10th at the World Athletic Championships in the men's steeplechase last night in Budapest. We just talked to him live from Budapest. Also, Zach McWhorter will compete today for Team USA in the pole vault. Good luck to Zach. With a 2-0 start to the season, BYU women's soccer climbed two spots to number 11 okay. in the latest United Soccer Coaches poll. BYU's next game is against Long Beach State tomorrow night at the stadium at Southfield at 9 Eastern on ESPN+. Are they calling it that now? I saw it on the graphic. It's at oh. Stadium at Southfield. Well, there's been some debate over the years. We can talk another time. Okay. okay. Also, okay. congratulations to BYU senior defender Kendall Peterson, who earned Big 12 Co-Defensive Player of the Week. Men's basketball beat Palacanestro Trieste, 84-73 in Game 2. I asked Spencer Johnson. No, just kidding. Went on his mission to Rome. In Game 2 of the foreign tour in Italy and Croatia, the Cougars made 19 threes, led by Jackson Robinson's 26 points, a couple of dunks there, on 6 of 13 from distance. 
BYU softball's Maddie Bejarano was invited to play for the Mexican national team. Congrats to Maddie. And earlier this morning, head coach Gordon Eakin announced the hiring of Ken Brook as a new assistant coach. Brook spent the last two seasons as the hitting coach at Auburn. Kens are winning everywhere. Yes, they are. And the Big 12 announces a partnership with U.S. Integrity uh, that will play a pivotal role in preventing student athletes, coaches, and staff from engaging in prohibited sports wagering. There have been some issues in the Big 12 reported recently. Also, Tomasi Laulile, released by the Niners, but signed by the Broncos. Pretty cool. Those are today's headlines. Now let's whip it. Google Whip Around is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Don't like this one. I'm going to be honest with you. ESPN's Bill Connolly and Dave Wilson both put out their Big 12 standings projections. Both picked the Cougars dead last, number 14 in the Big 12 Conference. How many spots higher do you expect BYU to finish compared to their projections? Yeah, I, I think if you finish last, you are 0-9 in the league, 1-8, maybe 2-7. I, I, I see BYU no worse than 3-6 and, and as high as 5-4 and four in the league. So I, I think they'll be significantly higher than that. I'm expecting four to five spots higher. I'm expecting like 10 or higher. 10 or 11th? Ten, yeah, I, I think they will be 10 to or me, higher. To me, that's you're probably like three and six there. If you're four and five, you're creeping up into the kind of the eight, nine range out of the 14 teams, I think. There'll be a lot of parody. It'll be the land of nine and three overall records, probably. <laughs> On Hard Knocks, Zach Wilson said he wears a headband to avoid sweat in his eyes. Do you believe it's more fashion or function? I believe, Zach, that it is function, that it does help with the sweat out of the eyes. But let's be honest, but it's also a good look. It's kind of cool. It's kind of a cool look. Yeah. Something he can yeah. get away with that I cannot. <laughs> yes. He he's, makes it look he's cool. He's got swag that we, I would we look do not stupid. Have. So, but I agree. I think. Bring, bring out the headband. <laughs> oh, we don't have it. I think it is function, but with the, yeah. with, with the cool factor. Too. It's it's uh, it's it's both. Yeah. All right. A piece was written in the San Francisco Chronicle with the opinion that Cal and Stanford could bring together universities from across California to fo to form a new college sports powerhouse. Okay. The California Conference is what they would call it. What do you make of this, Jerem? It has UC uh, Davis in it. So Stanford and Cal have, have really wanted to not have BYU in the Pac-12 for a long time, and now they would love to have UC Davis. No, that's not what they would want. Cal and Stanford uh, need the ACC or they're going to be in trouble. Uh, there is nothing about this that would be a new college sports powerhouse. No. So we need to stop I think they right should get there. El Camino Junior College in there, Long Beach State out of the Big West. UC Davis, San Jose State. Like you may and have then now clout. we're talking. You may have more clout if you bring in some of those high-profile high school teams. Matter Day is Modern Day is coming in. California Cody Epps would, would back that move, right? <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> Kenneth Rooks, uh, you know, ran in the World Championships last night. There was a big watch party over at the Student Athlete Building, which is pretty cool. Liz Darger tweeted out a photo. Do you think they do that for this show sometimes? I would hope that they're doing it as we speak right now. Yeah, I think every day that's what it's like over there, just consuming this program. If I had known that was going on, I would have gone over there. I was actually just sitting in my office watching it uh, on my uh, on my computer. <laughs> you would have you would have been in there. Yeah, you're the you're the guy. You're the track guy every year for the uh, the, for the prestigious Pugsley Award. Right. Absolutely, right. I, I did it one or two years. It was a great privilege. How about this? The Tennessee Titans quarterback Will Levis. This is so gross. Signed a lifetime deal with Hellman's Mayonnaise yesterday. <laughs> if you could sign a lifetime mayonnaise. deal with any condiment, which would you choose? Okay, I do like uh, Whataburger spicy ketchup. Okay. It's not like crazy spicy, it's just like a little more kick than the average ketchup, right? 
Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Where do you feel like BYU football is most and least ready for the season right now is our question of the day. Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from Josh Pratt on Facebook who says, It'd be hard to argue against quarterback one not being the most ready with all the starts Keaton Slovis has had. 39? Conversely, quarterback two may be the least ready with the lack of live and meaningful snaps taken. Well, they're doing their best in fall camp to get those. Like, the, the twos have been split in that way. But, yeah, as soon as you become the starter, you get those ones. Interesting take. Our rise and shout-out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Kenneth Rooks, World Championships, got through his heat, going to the final tomorrow He's night, in baby, in Budapest. To compete for the World Championship. Amazing. It is amazing. Our thanks to today's guests. Sorry to Dennis Pitt. Why don't you pass Isaac the ball when he sets the record? <laughs> for Jeremiah I'm Spencer. Shout out to Byron Rex. Hey. We'll see you tomorrow in Studio B. Go Cougs. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.